Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Hooked, the podcast where we give you all the plot hooks that you'll ever need in every role-playing game that you'll ever play ever. I'm Zancy Weber. Your host here this evening, here with my two fellow hosts. Hello, it's me, Jonathan. And... What's up, geeks and gamers? It's your <laughs> bitch, Dom Gilfoyle. Uh, it's our bitch, Dom Gilfoyle. That's right. The people's bitch. <laughs> and what we do here is we give you some plot hooks for your role-playing games by taking inspiration from a Magic the Gathering card and a random word... And then presenting it to you in the form of a magic trick, starting out with a pledge, which is the seed of the idea, the turn in which we name it and turn it into something a little bit more interesting, something that is a bit more substantial that your players might actually enjoy playing with. And then in the prestige, we explore how we could put it into a campaign and how it might work in a game setting. Now, before so, we do anything, <clears throat> I do have to ask a question because I feel I just have... I don't know you two that well. Y'all have known each other for so long. and I'm, You never I'm, ask questions. Yes. I'm much newer to... I, you know, I, I'm filled with curiosity today. Just today, though. Only today. Because yeah. usually, only, like, you're really bad at asking Only in the last questions. five minutes have I been filled with curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's only just occurred to me that Zane and I have actually kind of known each other for a long time at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've only actually, like, gotten to know each other in the last few years, but we definitely were, like, in the same room as far back as, like, 2013. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. we're um, look. It's, We've only actually gotten to know each other in the last like three years, though. Is the weird part? Wait, I'm so do I? Geriatric. I haven't. I don't know you that well, so no, no, no. What? Well, no. I was going to say, have I known Zane like heavily interacted with Zane for longer than you? Because Zane and I first, but it was twenty end of 2017, I think. So no, 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 definitely not. I yeah, I fucked up timing. Yeah. I don't know how time passes. Um, That's my getting pretty to know regularly. question. <laughs> How does time pass? No. Um, I have a question for you about your D&D characters, which is do you have like a particular character trope or type that you fall back on regularly while you're making them? And what is it, if that's the case? What, okay, are you talking about a kind of character that I like to play or a kind of character that I find myself playing? That's a good question. Like, yeah, what's the thing that you, you, you like to play? Like, what's the thing that you just chuck in there for fun sometimes? I mean, I like to play controlly characters. Okay. So, like, control the battlefield or, like, buffy heal rather than, like, punchy damage-dealing okay. characters. And what about character-wise, like, in the personality? See, again, I always end up playing a face. Yeah. That's that's just my personality. Um, because when people start making poor decisions, I'll say, hey, that's a poor decision. Let me talk to this barkeep and convince them to do what I want them to yep. do. Uh, and that can get real boring because I always feel responsible. Yep. Um, I understand fully. Yeah. I tend to wind up playing characters who at some every few sessions will probably start combat mid 
mid conversation <laughs> like it's just like just kind of just like have a we're having a conversation I just kind of think for a bit and go yeah I'm, I, yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna cast fireball yeah. <laughs> like and it's not even me being like a shit or like trying to ruin things it's just like I play characters who are ju- I tend, they tend to be impulsive or at the very least I, either impulsive or calculating to the point where that they will just they're waiting for that trigger and then as soon as it's clicked yeah or even like if they think it's about to click I'll draw first Mm. and even like very rarely is it because they're a a bad person or something it's just the way my mind works just like well why would I why would I wait for everyone to just be like all right, we're gonna fight let's do it I'm just gonna be like yeah this is gonna end up in a fight isn't it (laughs) (laughs) I've seen I've walked down this road before last session last session of the 5 (laughs) campaign I'm in like one of the last things that happened was that it was just like a character who had uh, was basically spreading kind of a sort of a plague a were-rat plague anyway um, turning people where people would turn into were-rats you know normal stuff yeah a a totally normal one I think that or maybe it was just that she was a were-rat and she was spreading like bubonic plague or something but anyway she was like kind of like not super like apologetic about it like she'd she'd gone from one town to another and just like she was gonna keep moving because like uh, it's like imperial um, soldiers had arrived in the town she was just like she just jumped out a window next to me and another character was like I'm leaving and you should too and she runs off and I'm just like yeah no I, I shoot her in the back with my gun yeah. <laughs> just like just thinking about it it's just like no my character would put a stop to this fucking typhoid Mary yeah just like just I, and I don't think I'm being like the, the trigger happy warlock I'm just like why wouldn't I put her down yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a that's a distinct difference in our play style is I'm always waiting for someone else to yeah. throw the first punch yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really like playing characters that are like on the two extremes of bravery so sure. I, either, I either play fighters who are like foolhardily brave and constantly getting into terrible situations because of this. Often it's a barbarian, actually. Um, or I like to play someone who just avoids fights at, at all costs. And that doesn't actually have to do with cowardice. Um, my most current one is a fighter who's a bugbear battle master who I've given polar master and sentinel. I've made him like hyper competent at combat. Yeah. And he, so he c- he kills people from fifteen feet yes, away. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> he munchkin. But he fucking hates he doesn't like fighting like the yeah, premise right. is he's like a 45 year old retired dad yeah, right. he used to be a soldier he's like I don't want to be here anymore um, so I, I like playing this supremely competent person who just yeah, does not sure. want to get it the other one I, I mean, had I've played a character that's simultaneously both yeah. so a sorcerer who doesn't want to fight he doesn't never wants to kill anyone yeah. but like he owes people his life so like if they're in a dire situation yeah. he's like oh, I've got to do it and he just throws himself I, into the fight so I played a um uh, a kobold uh, artificer armorer uh, her name was Taffy I loved her but I I had it fully that she was when she was out of her suit of armor she was terrified of everything had major anxiety like did not want did not want to be in any situation and then she put on the armor which was like the size of a dragonborn she just grew and was suddenly basically a superhero being yeah. like alright well, let's go yeah. <laughs> yeah Um. but ironically the first person that I killed was this Taffy on an impulse reaction going oh no and just brained a guy by accident it's like oh yeah, he was hey, a villain that's the same, same as how I yeah. my first kill oh yeah how many? How many villagers have you accidentally killed in your in oh, your role playing? No, life? he was a mayor. Oh, in role playing, yeah, right. <laughs> no villagers. Okay, interesting. This guy was the mayor. Let's just say commoners then. <laughs> He turned his entire town into zombies. I don't know. Did he have class levels? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so you you've got you got one. I got one. You've got one. Dom, how many you got? How many villagers have I killed? Yeah, in this current campaign. <laughs> I don't. Th- I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a murder hobo. So none. Yeah, good. Yeah. 
I think the only commoner kills I have under my belt are when the bad guy has put commoners between yeah. me and them, and I've like, well, call, you're you're literally killing killing hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. Another twenty to end it is fine. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. In like, I don't go for the I don't go for like random commoners, but in the most recent session again, I did do a let's you and him fight between some pirates who had something that we wanted <laughs> and some imperial guards that were nearby. All the pirates rushed downstairs into the into the cellar of the tavern and all of these um, the Imperial Guards were upstairs searching for someone and like the pirate leader had um, a pet monkey who had like the crystal important gem we needed stuck in its side its head basically mm. and so I used dissonant whispers like I su- like suddenly was down there and just like hey guys just checking on things and then use dissonant whispers on the monkey with dissonant whispers only the target can hear what I'm doing so I kill this monkey by making it scream itself to death and then I just like slip out through the fucking cellar exit <laughs> put a broomstick through the de- doors and then it's just like well That'll sort itself out one way or another. <laughs> A problem solved. Yep. And that's how that session ended. Okay. Well, now that we know each yeah. other so much better, let's move on to this week's hooks, shall we? Uh, so we are taking inspiration from a Magical Gathering card called Alchemist Refuge. It's by Dan Scott. And who wants to describe what we're looking at here? It's a, we're in a, we're in a bit... It's, it's hard to tell the scale, but what I think it is, it's a fairly standard-sized forest with a really tiny hut in it. Like, at first glance, you think, oh, these are colossal trees with a normal hut in it with some, like, glowing contraption and such. But then there's a bond, there's a fire next to it, and when you look at the scale of the fire, it looks like a normal campfire. So, actually, this is a tiny, tiny hut. I think even next to the campfire, the trees... Are, they're, they're big trees, but they're not, like, giant yeah. No, giant these are just, trees. like, oak trees with yeah. a tiny hut. Yeah. Yeah. I said the word the borrowers is, like, a reference yeah. as soon yeah. as I saw it. Or just, like, yeah, it's, like, pixie size, maybe, that sort of thing yeah and so there's like a blue glow and there's some sort of contraption aerial yeah. kind of thing sticking out of the top it's an antenna you know <clears throat> it's yeah. in contraption a lot today we have as a group yeah i'm yeah. sorry i guess i'll stop no it's just an observation it's a good word it's, with this it's, a, it's a really good word <laughs> uh and the flavor text says persecuted alchemists fled deep into kessig's wilds seeking solitude to continue their ghoulish craft so well, now that's just made it a much darker tone, hasn't it? I mean, did you not get evil out of that? No, I thought it was just like a nice little, nice little. Nice well, you little can ta- you can be nice. You didn't have to put evil into it. I'm often quite nice. <laughs> it is. Oh, I'm very modest about it. It's interesting to refer to alchemy as ghoulish. Mm. I think perhaps in this particular law, perhaps maybe yeah, sure. alchemy is tied with necromancy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the who MTG knows? Law too it's well. a it's a colorless land. So yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Who wants to go first? I want you to go first. You want me to go first? I want you to go first. I can go first, please. Um, so the players, stop me if you've heard this before. I'm walking in the woods. Okay. Uh, when suddenly a house appears just absolutely out of nowhere, just zoop, it's there. That's the sound effect that goes with it as well. Oh, okay. Good. Like a zoop. Cool. Zoop. Um, an, a furious alchemist wearing a tiny little hat storms out of the, the house, looks at it, looks at the players, with a big old frown, just goes, how tall are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they answer, I assume. <laughs> he swears to himself, storms back into the house and slams the door. Okay, that's my, that's my turn. All right, yeah. no, that's your pledge. My pledge. Shit. Yep. Did we good. give the sorry? The, did we give the word as well? The word is fluctuation. I'm not sure. The word is fluctuation. I think I did. Maybe yeah. I didn't. But yeah, the word I is fluctuation. Know. Either way, I'd forgotten it, so maybe the listener had to. The fluctuating contraption. Yay. Okay, I can go next if yeah, you would go, like, Dom. Yeah, go on. My pledge is going to be an NPC. 
Uh, and this is so, I think this is set in an ultra low magic campaign where, where someone says they can talk to the trees, you look at them like, okay, granddad, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go home and check that mum hasn't put anything in your porridge. Or maybe that she has <coughs> been remembering to put the stuff in your porridge that keeps you from saying this shit. <laughs> yeah, and so I think this takes... Uh, takes place kind of there's a giant forest that is full of old growth trees like this and there is uh, just a little old man that has built his house just like this into one of the trees um, and says he can talk to the trees Uh, and this forest is so big that like there are multiple settlements around the the outskirts of it that kind of routinely log it um for for just for wood and that's no real problem but it's a couple days trek to get anywhere um and this guy will probably start giving intel to the players about things that are going on that need to be dealt with and like will help them in their things so like maybe there's a, a band of a gang of bandits or or someone who's destroying trees in in inland and that's that's the pledge so super low magic campaign this little guy says he can talk to trees and is giving you intel that maybe he can or maybe he just is exploring the woods and finds these things yeah mm-hmm. all right so for my <coughs> pledge we have uh, a community that previously was fairly unremarkable like we, but like they had alchemists and potion makers there before have suddenly become a powerhouse of potion makers like they are creating the most remarkable shit uh, and nobody's quite sure what's changed and the party are hired by uh, a rival potion making uh, tycoon I guess to do some corporate espionage and find out what the secret is and that's my pledge nice so so the, so there's a, an organisation a community of potion makers and alchemists whose product has start, suddenly started becoming the best in the world mm-hmm. and so, and uh, a bigger rival who's like how are they beating us wants you to find you, the, your party to find out how. right so investigation not sabotage investigation just, yeah. yeah cool awesome okay well let's uh, let's go back to Jonathan for the turn so if the players knock on the door I say if because they could totally just walk past them we could burn it down they, <laughs> would they jump immediately to burn it down do you reckon they're in a forest <laughs> yeah okay fair um, I'll accept that just like this party sorcerer is just like so what if I use so- uh, like like what the, the sorcerer ability to uh, to have to have fireballs not hurt party members if I start a fire with that fireball does the fire hurt my party members yep. and it's yeah. just like hey why are you asking that yeah why are you asking that question the, the rogue immediately jumps to trying to unlock the door despite the fact that it's not actually locked <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, the alchemist, now wearing a normal-sized hat, but a necklace that's clearly too tight around the neck, uh, opens the door and immediately starts ranting to him. Basically, goes, goes, come in, come in, come in, and just starts ranting about all of his troubles. And he's a very grumpy man at this point. Um, but the general thrust of the conversation is that he uh, makes himself small for safety. Hard to find small things. This is, this sure. is a known fact. Um, and something has been causing his magic to fluctuate. And, and his incantations to just be so inconsistent. Um, uh, uh, and he asks the players for help. Yeah. I had to enter that that I didn't get to uh, write down, <laughs> and so I just uh, lost all momentum. Okay, so he asks the players for help because his powers are fluctuating yes. for some reason. Yes, uh, and I'm really sorry for this name that I've created. It's, I think, maybe my worst one. Okay, that's, uh, that's, that's a big claim. Honey, I shrank the chemist. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's not great. 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's the worst. <laughs> What's my worst one? I remember being more disgusted than I am now. Yeah. Like maybe it's a relative term. <laughs> yeah, fair. but uh, but yeah. Like, I think f- fist is my pride and joy. No, knuckle was what it was called. Knuckle, knuckle is my yeah. pride and joy. <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. So let's go back to mine. Mine. Mine is just just the guy's name, uh, and it, it's it's Toki Treeman, and is he's called Toki, and he's lives in the trees. I like so his he, name. He's called Treeman. Does, does he? Does he? You do a bit of a toke? Is that why? He's oh, a, oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, okay. he, he's yeah, he's total kind of uh, hippie gadgeteer kind of hermit yeah, right. lives in the yeah. woods, yeah. but like is fiddling with things. Um, and I think the more you work with Toki, the more rewards he gives you. And he's he's kind of the sole proprietor of like things that are actually magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start to believe that he can talk to the trees, and that it is he's like, and the trees kind of he can channel the trees' power. Um, and that's kind of what he says that he's doing. Like he's talking to the forest and the forest is like, it's, it's, there's like little, little entities in it, but also like the big entity of the forest. Um, and you don't know whether that's like an old religion or anything, but you don't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't grok with anything that you really, that the party really knows, but they get these sweet, sweet weapons and tools and things made out of wood. And Turkey's sweet leaf. And, and of course the drugs. Yeah. The, uh, the, the pipe weed. The, the hobbit. Uh, Halfling pipe weed. Yeah, yeah exactly. the halfling pipe weed. Um, and so, yeah, they keep coming back and they kind of, their power grows and their esteem grows with these gifts that Toki gives them and bestows upon them. And so that's kind of the, that, that's my, I'm going to say that that's my turn. Um, so they, what starts out as kind of a distrustful relationship, like Weirdo in the Woods, actually gets rewarded and like he doesn't get any less weird, but like they, fa- they form us kind of symbiotic relationship. I think him getting less weird would ruin it. He yeah, has to stay yeah. bizarre. He's got to stay, he's got to stay weird. Yeah. Yeah. Keep well, okay. Toki weird. Dom? So the party <laughs> goes to... This is the episode I should be being dunked on for, This of <laughs> any of them. Anyway, so the party uh, treks to this community and... They find that yeah the as the, as was Im- implied earlier the the secret is a closely kept secret all of the potion making is done behind closed doors none of none of this is, n- nobody outside of the community know the immediate community business knows how it's done and nobody inside of it is willing to talk so the party um might be able to bribe or convince someone or blackmail someone to get them into one of the clean rooms where the uh or infiltrate the the lab where they are making their amazing potently potent potions and what they find within is that they are the these potion makers are in some cases they are shrinking down large ingredients and then using multiples of those like they have that they have shrinking and growing technology is what they are using interesting so they have like a full large fruit that has all of the this magical property they're shrinking it down so that they can use a whole one of it in a single potion and so and some sort of magical chemical blah 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 means that it has Making all the potency potent. of a large one but you're eating just a single one it contain it retains that potency and in some cases they're even shrinking the sh- shrinking their people down so that they can be much more precise in like the cuttings and that sort 
sort of thing of time. Like they're doing all of these, all of their secrets basically rely on this, these shrinking abilities that they have granted themselves. Yeah. And they have that. Well, they have a. They. I, I think that it would be useful for the narrative for it to be a device, maybe, so that it's something you can steal for your for yep. your employees, that sort of thing. So yeah. And what are we calling it? Microbiology. Okay. Microbiology. All right. Well, let's get on to the prestige. Yeah. So um, I think there's a couple ways you can take this, and I think this is where people realize I'm terrible at writing endings. So I just leave it open-ended and let people choose because that's who I am. Um, I think um, you could put a time limit on this, which would be quite fun, which is if you take too long solving the mystery, enemies of the alchemist are going to find him and you've got to deal with that problem and keep the, keep the alchemist alive, preferably. That's do a- you know why they're fluctuating? Yeah, I think I do. Okay. I think you get are into we it. Are allowed to know? Yeah, I'm about to do it okay, now. Okay, cool. I, I think you get into <laughs> it and you discover that the part of the reason that the, the, the chemist is in, in al- the alchemist, I should specify, is in need of such protection of being kept small and hidden, is that his is less than pleasant attitude has led to some rivalries forming with other alchemists mm. in the region. Uh, and so, you know, in Witcher 3, there's a, a quest where you come across a house where just things are going badly, right? And you find nearby that someone has put a curse upon them. Yep. And you're like, well, shit, we've got to go deal with that now. And you, I think Ugh. it's one of those, you're like... I you, just cleaned this God it's one of those ones where you go into the forest and you just find like an alchemist tincture of some kind that has been spread around the roots of a bunch of the trees. Yeah. And it's just creating this effect that's that's wrecking, it's, it's disrupting him, right? And it becomes this game of simultaneously trying to track down the other alchemist and figure out how to stop all of this stuff and also yeah. keeping the one that you want to help uh, safe while he's fluctuating in size rapidly. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Honey, I shrank the chemist. Yep, you did. Uh, okay. So onto mine, which is Toki Treeman. Now I think where fluctuate comes into this is now that you your party has like several of these items and several of these these ties to Toki and the forest. Whenever the forest is suffering, like whether if there's a forest fire or there's a massive logging uh, operation or whatever, the power of these things drops down. And so when you go to say ask Toki why aren't these working anymore, you're like, well, the forest is under attack. And he says, well, I've been trying to figure out how to solve it but i'm gonna need you to help me and go to these places and do these specific rituals and uh and then they should be back up and running and the forest can take care of itself um unfortunately what's actually happening is toki's going to awaken the forest um i think i (laughs) I think i support toki (laughs) yeah no absolutely um and i i think what this means is like this world didn't used to be low magic but magic magic was banished and the spirits of these trees were just kind of left undisturbed to grow extremely powerful and toki's just giving them a way to connect and work and so now there's this massive magical force that you're you're either going to work with if you're on toki's side and you've got these great weapons or you sacrifice the weapons and your ties to the forest and you go to kind of car uh, go to finish this destructive force somehow um i really loved in i believe it was in hellboy and the golden army which not a great movie it's a fun movie fun movie the god of the forest that uh, was th- just like he just they just like threw out. Was I that think in the first it, one? Uh, that was in the second. It was. It was. It was a. It was a, an elemental. An elemental. It was the. Yeah. It was the last elemental, and that's why. Um, 
uh, the blood elf king was or prince or whatever you, was just you like use that as use that against Hellboy was just like hey like to like you're gonna have to put this thing down and that was why it was a mil- an emotional anymore it was an emotional thing because like Hellboy's like I shouldn't destroy this beautiful thing but I have to yeah, yeah. and I really like that particular little conundrum yeah. is like well technically these things didn't do anything wrong and yeah. technically we've been profiting from them for hundreds of years and like um, what are the repercussions of if you stop them right like yeah that world isn't gonna <laughs> keep going okay yeah absolutely so yeah so i think that's the prestige is is kind of uh turkey has been doing these things and like there are our benefits but then he's also like hey what if we just do this one final step everything will be better for the forest yep i, I kind of <laughs> love that as well because you can use that as like a really strong point in your campaign where you just take a hard shift yeah and then like there are you know when you campaigns like obviously on certain podcasts where they take a hard shift and they change what system they use mm. and i think it's a really effective way of communicating that like no this world's fundamentally changed yeah we absolutely. Gotta, we've got to change with it we can't just approach it the same way you know yeah, yeah. all right dumb so, microbiology yeah so again going into that corporate espionage thing this is a point where uh it becomes a bit of i know, I know it's it's weird to to compare like a full-on rpg to just like a more limited game but like I feel, i'm feeling a bit deus ex with this mm-hmm. um because again corporate corporate espionage obviously and you have a few different ways like you the party will return to their employer and your employer will say it's just like right i want you like like either sabotage the their their productions prospect pipeline or bring it to us and bring their bring their shrinking technology to us or destroy it if you can't or get their secrets or do something to take them out of business like i leave it in your hands and the party can do that there's a bunch of things they could if they're a fucking murder hobos they could kill some people or they could kill the person who invented it so they can't recreate it or they could just steal it or they could align with the like if they if they talk to these uh to the people with the shrinking technology and let them know that there's a bit there's a bigger fish trying to stomp them out it's mm. just like well what, what how much would you pay us to 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 not do anything yeah to not do anything <laughs> or, or to turn on them yeah. yeah exactly it's just like what if and then they the, the the interesting part for that is that when like you oh these are the, these are the underdogs and we're, we're, we're trying to sub with them over this evil corporation the underdogs will be just like all right here's what we need to do uh we'll we'll sabotage a shrink machine uh and you bring it to them and then when they try to turn it on it'll kill them all and you go oh there's no good guys <laughs> and that these are all just like op- these options yeah. for like this is like a little a little mini sandbox how do you solve this problem sort yeah. of thing what i really like about um situations like this is how you can have like multiple win conditions and you can like achieve more than one and yeah. it's just a matter of like figuring out which ones your priorities are and which ones letting the party decide let's well we're really good at talking to people so let's talk to people or yeah. we're really good at stealth so let's that's, stealth that, in and, and that's, also, that, that's yeah. sorry that's why the deus ex comparison yeah. 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 yeah but then also like morally just like what what will your characters pick in yeah. this scenario you yeah. know like yeah what do you do when you realize there's no good guys leave <laughs> or do you sabotage and then take the sabotage machine and just wipe everyone out yeah scorched earth policy is that, that yeah. the only moral thing to do yeah is genocide <laughs> That's hey, not genocide. Well, it's not genocide. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's if, just being go- a good person is taking oh, down okay. the corporations. No, absolutely. It's uh, it's, uh that's what if Fight Club has taught us anything. Yeah, t- it's yeah. technically not genocide. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the use of the word technically really reassures you on this one. Yeah, my my it's technically not genocide shirt is raising a lot of questions <laughs> answered by my shirt. 
Um, also, I like the, yeah the moral of Fight Club is that Tyler was right. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's exactly what what uh, everyone thinks it's is happening. That's what a lot of certain type of person <laughs> on the internet thinks it was about. Okay, well before we get too far down this rabbit hole, if you want to use any of these in your game, please do and let us know how it goes. Uh, we would love for you to use them and uh, throw them throw them at your players and you know let us know what your players choose to do in these very uh i guess uh, these these morally complex hooks that we've given you today i mean yeah i think we, we all wound up there so i think it's because we all looked at the flavor text and we're just like oh this is cute oh wait oh no <laughs> oh no oh. ghoulish oh my expectations have been subverted by the moral ambiguity here and we all just did that <laughs> uh as always hooked is produced under a creative common attribution non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license which means that you're free to share redistribute the material in any medium or format if you give the appropriate credit do not use the material for commercial purposes and don't remix, transform, or build the material in any way without asking us first. Um, if you would like to submit your artwork to this podcast, please do so by reaching out on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also email us at podcast.hooked at gmail.com. Those, uh, all of those will be in the show notes. Uh, I've been Zane C. Weber here with... Dom Guilfoyle, I have a show called The Mistome Museum of Mystery, Morbidity and Mortality. It's an audio drama set in a creepy museum with some creepy stuff going on and also some funny stuff sometimes, but then it gets creepy again. Also here was... Hello, it's me, Jonathan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pirate Killjoy, and you can find me at the wonderful podcast Raceloid, in which me and my partner go through and review every re- Vocaloid and we'll be getting back to that soon, hopefully. Keep playing games, everyone. Keep playing games. Stop playing games. Stop it. Stop it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.